Good morning, welcome, happy 4th of July. I'm Michael Putney. I'm Glenna Milberg. We have a special edition of This Week in South Florida. This hour for you, the race against time at the site of the Surfside building collapse. This, in fact, is a live look at the remains of the building now being prepped for demolition. The search and rescue work stopped down again late yesterday to allow demolition teams to plant the explosives that are going to bring down that unstable remaining tower. The daily briefings at the site all week. They've now moved to Miami-Dade's Emergency Operations Center in Doral. That is in preparation for whatever the effects of ELSA come our way. You're looking live at the podium. We are standing by for that and, of course, we will bring it for you as soon as it happens. Meanwhile, in Surfside at this moment, there is an eerie quiet that has settled down over this 10 block site that has been the focus of round the clock search and rescue missions since the morning of June 24th. The decision to bring down the remains of the building wrapped up quickly over the last 24 hours. Surfside Mayor Charles Burkett is right there on site as he has been every day and joining us now live. Mayor, good morning. Mayor Burkett, good morning. You can hear us, I hope. Well, these trucks are making it a little noisy, but I'm going to do my best. Okay, it is kind of noisy out there. We hope you can we can get your volume increased so you can hear us. Uh, I, I can I can I can make it, I can make do. Okay, good. Uh, Mayor Burkett, we know that Assistant Miami-Dade Chief uh, Ray Jadala, whom you have praised this week, really an outstanding public service briefed the families this morning and said that the remaining tower there uh, probably is going to come down late tonight. Is that correct and are you good with that? Well, actually, I'm more than good with it. I had met a couple days ago with uh, Governor DeSantis in a private meeting to talk just about that. I mean, the, the hurricane was the uh, trigger that got everybody talking about immediately taking the building down, but it really needed to come down because it was impinging upon the effort to rescue uh, everybody in that pile of debris because the uh, the western edge of that pile was a no-go zone because there was debris falling off the building. So now with the building uh, being demolished, uh, that's, that's a relief. Uh, there was talk about doing it in a matter of weeks. I urged Major, Mayor Kava to, to do it in a matter of hours. Uh, the governor had the same position. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very grateful to the mayor that she uh, took another hard look at all the facts and all the information and made the decision to move forward immediately because uh, we could not risk the storm knocking the building down on top of the debris pile, nor could we wait any longer to do search and rescue over on that western edge of the pile. Mayor, we, uh, midweek, to, to your point, the midweek, Mayor Daniela Livianca, Miami-Dade's mayor, talked about the initial thought to demolish the building, the initial discussions, and said, as you mentioned, that it would take weeks because demolition is a, is a really highly technical, highly dangerous process. Take us through how all of a sudden it was, you had the ability to do it within hours. Uh, CDI, the company, the expert hired, has done this before both locally uh, Pentagon in uh, after 9-11 and and take us through kind of the technicalities of how it got to be ramped up so quickly how it's going to be done safely especially for the streets you know that's a very tight space on Collins around that take us through that whole technical process and uh, and what's your best guess on timing 
Well, listen, I, I try to always keep it simple. The bottom line is, is you're gonna strap some explosives on the columns and you're going to blow them up and knock the building down. That doesn't take a long time. It just takes the time it takes to strap the explosives on. Uh, obviously, they don't strap it, they drill holes into the columns. But, uh, you know, the, the time-consuming uh, part of a demolition is normally the paperwork. It's the uh, inspections, it's the verifications it's no one, that no one's in there, it's the asbestos tests. Uh, fortunately, um, our forward-looking administration here in Surfside um, had already done an environmental survey on the debris and got a green light on the uh, contents of the debris, I'm told. So that's one less thing to worry about. But the bottom line is, is I salute Mayor Cava's decisive action to change course and uh, get this thing done as the governor had uh, wanted and I had wanted because we can't afford any more lost time in the effort to pull these people out of the rubble and reunite them with their families. Yeah. Uh Mr. Mayor, one more question here about the implosion here at this tower. Chief Ellen Kaminsky, Miami-Dade Fire Rescue, says he wants a narrow footprint. I take it that what they are, what you are looking for is to bring this building down within its own footprint so that it does not uh, impinge upon the pile or make the work of rescue harder. Is that right? Well, actually, I'm looking to bring it down with a westward push. So it falls away from the existing pile, not next to it, because anything falling next to the existing pile is going to, of course, disturb the existing pile. So I think the push is to uh, ensure that it falls westward and doesn't affect the existing pile because there are people in there presumably waiting to get out, and we're going to get in there and get yeah. them all out. All right. So I guess then are you going to bring it down partly on Collins Avenue there because it fronts that part fronts Collins Avenue. That's not a concern. We're going to bring it down. And it's going to go where it's going to go, and it's going to go in a westward motion, and we're going to get back to work. Nothing else matters. Uh, Mayor, we're, we're going to stick with us. We're going to come back to you. I know that there is some talk about finding additional voids when that building comes down. Right now, the briefing at the Doral location of emergency management is about to begin. So if you would, just sit tight. We want to dip into that for the latest. All right, as you can see, the uh, officials are lining up here at the EOC. We see uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Good morning and welcome there. to the 1130 operational media briefing. And they will be introduced here momentarily. Up, we have Governor Ron DeSantis. Well, wish everybody a happy 4th of July. Uh, I want to thank uh, the mayor for hosting us here uh, at the county EOC. Also want to thank Wilton Simpson and Chris Sprouse, our legislative leaders in the House and Senate, for, for coming. We are going to be able to take them to the site later today to be able to see that, and they've been very helpful in, uh, in supporting everything the state's doing. We are, of course, continuing to monitor Tropical Storm Elsa. It's located just north of Jamaica with the maximum sustained winds of 65 miles per hour. It is heading towards Cuba. Uh, it will cross Cuba and end up approaching Florida, uh, likely sometime Monday afternoon uh, or evening. Tropical storm watches are in effect for parts of the Florida Keys, but more watches and warnings may be issued later today. Impacts will move northward up the peninsula into northeast Florida, the Big Bend, through Wednesday morning. It looks like it's going to be in the Gulf Coast, 
in southwest Florida into Tampa Bay and then probably enter around Pasco County area, which is where Senator Simpson is from. But obviously these tracks can change, but that's what we're looking at now, something that will ride part of the West Coast and then enter the peninsula uh, later in the week. Uh, impacts, please review your hurricane plans now and restock your emergency kit as needed. We are looking at, of course, storm surge. We're looking at heavy rainfall flash flooding, there could be isolated tornadoes. And it's important to remind Floridians, in the last four years, we've had more people die from carbon monoxide poisoning than from direct impacts from the storms that we've dealt with, and we've dealt with a number of them. So the reminder is, in a storm like this where you could see sustained power outages, if you do have a generator, you have to operate that generator uh, so that the exhaust is outside. You can't put it inside your house. You can't. We are listening to Governor Ron DeSantis and at the morning briefing, starting off, of course, with the now, uh, he's uh, already declared a state of emergency in many counties, so not in our viewing area, but for the effects of Elsa. So the governor now with a dual role uh, talking about the latest from the Surfside building collapse and the impending demolition, and of course, a storm headed our way, tropical storm expected, but prepping for a uh, hurricane if need be in many parts of southwest Florida. Let's go back to Mayor Charles Burkett of Surfside, who is graciously standing by with us at the site of the impending demolition. Uh, Mayor, one more question about the demolition. You've been with uh, the families a lot. I know for them, watching the remains of that building come down is going to be fairly gut-wrenching. Um, are they supportive of this idea? Have they, uh, have they weighed in at all with you? I, I think the families are supportive. Uh, anything that we can do that will enhance our uh, ability to find and extract victims is a good thing. And that building has been an impingement on that effort. And now that uh, that building is going to be gone, that uh, that hindrance is going to be out of our way. Uh, Mr. Mayor, you have been consistently optimistic. You have encouraged the fact that this is still a rescue operation. But here we are, I believe, day 11 since the building collapsed. Uh, do you still hold out hope that there may be a survivor yeah, or two yeah, or more? Dead. It looks like we have uh, some technical issues, as we sometimes do on live yeah. television. Looks like it might be a battery issue, so them. let's take a quick break. Let's change some batteries, and we'll <laughs> be right back with the mayor. Stay tuned. We are speaking with Mayor Charles Burkett of Surfside, who is at the site. You can hear construction machinery behind him. Uh, Mr. Mayor, can you hear us now okay? Yep, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, well, let me repeat the question I was going to ask. From the very moment that this tragedy occurred, you have been consistent. You've been very supportive of the families, uh, of the, uh, the victims. Uh, and you have said, we are holding out hope that there are, there may be survivors uh, in the rubble that we will recover. Do you still believe that? We're not going to leave anyone to die in that rubble. We're going to pull everybody out. Mayor, we've been together out there. Um, you've been out there every day. We have been too. There's a question. I'm going to take it sort of in a different direction because 
It's a question I've really been meaning to ask you with the, with the time and space to really hear the answer to now in hindsight that we have over the past week, it, it is horrifying what is in the city's records about this building. Uh, the engineer, just for people, just to refresh your memory, the engineer in 2018 for the building laid bare some structural issues, uh, warned that they needed to be fixed. The condo knew it, the city knew it, the condo association and its lawyers knew it. It went unfixed until this year, the beginnings of it. In hindsight, and now with some clarity, where where does the buck lie? Who has the ultimate oversight to levy consequences and get life safety issues fixed? Well, let, let me start by saying buildings in America like this do not fall down. They just don't fall down. That's a third world phenomenon, not a first world phenomenon. And it, 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 it's, uh, it's unbelievable that that any building, irrespective of the maintenance that it was done, that was done on it, could ever fall down like this. There was something very, very, very wrong. Having said that, uh, this condominium association was aware that there were issues with respect to the, uh, the structural components. Uh, there were prescriptions to repair those issues. Uh, three years later, they, I believe, they engaged with the town. Um, and the town uh, was engaging in a conversation with them. There had not been, as the building official advised me recently, an official permit submitted to be considered for approval. What was submitted was a letter discussing what they intended to do and how the city felt about what they were gonna do. So it was a dialogue that they were having in writing. And, you know, listen, in Surfside, we've had complaints, you know, we're a small town, and it takes us some time to process paperwork. I mean, people wait two or three weeks for a, a driveway. People wait two or three weeks for a roof. Um, I, I understand that this was somewhat over a month before the uh, town official got back to them, but I don't want to speculate on those dates or why it was that amount of time. I think the building official would be the one to answer those specific questions, but suffice to say, uh, no matter what maintenance was not done on that building, one would never imagine in his wildest dreams that you could have a collapse like that. So, you know, there was something very, very, very wrong with this property, and we're going to have to get to the bottom of that, and we intend to get to the bottom of that, but not today, not tomorrow, not in the indefinite future, because right now I'm 100% focused on pulling people out of that rubble and supporting the families. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, uh, as you well know, in 2018, the Condo Association and the Champlain Tower South hired Morabito uh, engineers to come in. They prepared this report, and the report said that the building had serious structural problems. Uh, that report was sent to the town building official, Mr. Ross Prieto. You were not the mayor at the time, so you don't have any oversight. And as the mayor, you can't order city employees around anyway. Mr. Prieto, however, went to a meeting of the condo association, told that condo association that their building was in very good shape. Uh, was that an act of malfeasance? That's, uh, given, given what we know right now, that's, uh, that's, that's a serious problem. You know, many people don't know that besides mayor, 
you by profession are a developer and a landlord, so you do have some pretty special insights into the whole process of inspection and codes. Um, I wonder if you would give us from, take off your mayor hat for a moment, put on your developer slash landlord hat, because you have properties that, like so many, have been cited and have had issues. Um, are people overreacting now based on this terrifying occurrence? Or has this terrifying occurrence laid bare what we should have been looking at all along? Or somewhere in between? Well, listen, to be fair, um, you know, everything in life needs maintenance. And properties need maintenance, cars need maintenance, and we do maintenance. Sometimes it's proactive and sometimes it's reactive. Uh, sometimes you get a violation for peeling paint or a balcony that's cracked or something along those lines. And the best course of action is to act expeditiously. You know, when you have a problem, you fix it. It's, it's, it's those times where you ignore the problem for a long period of time. It's sort of like, it's never the crime, it's always the cover-up. So, you know, that's kind of what seems to be appearing to have been going on here. There was, there were mixed messages and probably starts and stops. And I think that, you know, we have the number one government agency here, NIST, which is the sort of uh, NTSB of buildings. And after plane crashes, the NTSB goes out, and after building problems and collapses and things of this sort, NIST goes out. So they're on it, they're looking at it, our experts are looking at it. We're actually analyzing the uh, steel content in the sister building right now, or not right now, probably in the next several days. Uh, we're going through a process where we're trying to determine if the conditions that existed in the building that collapsed uh, exist in the sister building. Yeah. So that's a challenge and we're doing that and we're taking that very seriously. And I, I, I must give the board credit in the Champlain North, they've been cooperative and helpful up to this point. And I, uh, I hope they will continue to do uh, that along the way and throughout the process. Mayor Charles Burkett, we certainly appreciate your time this morning. We know that you have been on that site early to late for the last 11 days, and it's going to be a long process ahead. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, next among the international teams that joined the search and rescue effort, there was a crew from Israel that brought special technical expertise. That team, as we speak, is on the way home, but uh, not before we talk to the commander live from the airport. Stay tuned. Prominent among the search and rescue teams at the Champlain Towers South this week was a team from Israel. Their work and expertise also involved digital mapping of the building that gave first responders on that mountain of debris a precise road map to each apartment. The leader of that 15-member team is Colonel Golan Vach of the Israeli Defense Forces, and he is right there. Looks like at Miami International Airport waiting to leave. And Colonel, we so appreciate your time with us today. Thank you. Colonel, just um, we are not leaving. 
Yeah. Good oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's good. That's good to hear. We were told by uh, by Tamar, who is your colleague, that uh, today would likely be your departure date. So you're staying, and what what's no. the function? Okay. So uh, we're staying till Thursday. Uh, I personally, with another seven experts, will stay here uh, in order to support the the current situation and that have been updated after the decision to take the building uh, down. So tomorrow uh, we send uh, our uh, techniques, our technicians back to Israel because right now we see there is no need of support. There are dozens of experts all over the United States that arrived the day before yesterday and we do not uh, feel that they are no more necessary but we are the um, professional uh, intelligence engineering uh, leaders of this group will stay here Thursday. Yeah. Colonel Bach, we know that your team is world-renowned. You've been to Albania, Turkey, Haiti. I heard you speak about pulling a survivor out of rubble in Haiti who had been, you know, trapped for a very, very long time. Um, do you believe that it's possible there still may be somebody alive in the uh, collapsed tower there uh, in Serbside? I believe right now that the chances are close to zero, unfortunately. Yeah. We found people in Haiti after one week, and we found people in Haiti, uh, not us, but uh, other teams after 27 days. but. Uh, the circumstances, as we saw in uh, the last few days, are too difficult for me to say professionally that I believe that there is a solid chance to find somebody alive, Colonel, unfortunately. You, you, are, you are very direct, and I know you and your team have been very direct with the families. I, I wonder if you could share, if you are talking to them about that realistic mm -hmm. observation and, and how they are hearing that. Yes, uh, we are talking only to the families. We are talking with the families. We are with the families since day one. And we are going through this difficult process hand by hand with them. And we are trying to be hopeful, but realistic at the same time. We talk to them uh, Shabbat night, Saturday night, with uh, dozens of the families, and we will see our hope all of them, most of them, uh, to share our work on site, our um, perspective of the process, the professional process that I've been doing right now, and the chances. And we share our thoughts and our observation about the chances. And I suspect that the fact that for some of the survivors, the families whom you were speaking to, that you were speaking in Hebrew, is another fact I think that gave them some comfort. I pray that it did. Did it? Uh, we talk in English. In English. Uh, okay. and because, big, 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 yes, because we arrived not only to the Jewish families, we arrived to all families, and I want them to know that. Uh, most of the people that I personally pull out, pulled out, extracted from the pile we're not jewish and i expect i i, I assume that uh, our uh, i know that our uh, recommendations 
about how to do the job will not consider any nation. We are all here for the families. Families are one and we with them are one. Of course, and, and actually uh, it's worth noting that a lot of those family, all of the family meetings are done bilingually in English and in Spanish as well. There was a, a huge Latin American uh, contingent that lived in that building as well. Colonel, we have some video of the digital, I, I'm calling it digital satellite imagery, please correct me if it's something else, that your team did for the families to take them through how precise you're able to gauge where the apartments are in the debris and to give the teams a really precise location so they know where they are and what and who they're looking for. I'm hoping that we have for our viewers that uh, picture to show. Take us through how technically you've done that. So I must say, I must say in the beginning that we are here 15 people, but the whole country of Israel is behind us, all IDF, all the capabilities of Home Front Command. Here right now, there are more than 50, pe 50 people, analysts and uh, uh, IT uh, experts that are working for us, trying to do what we cannot do here uh, on the ground. Uh, we, we succeeded with the people here from the task force one and two with uh, 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 Danny Cordeso, the head, the chief of, of this operation, with Chief Kaminsky, we have together uh, agreed about the methodology, uh, how to position, how to mark each one of the missing people on GIS layers, 2D and 3D. We can say by um, 10 to 15 meters, exactly where each one of the missing people are uh, uh, are being right now. And we proved it. At the last few days, we pointed on the places and we dig there and we found people. And this is the way uh, that this methodology is going. Well, the expertise that you and your team have brought is very impressive, and everybody is grateful that you and this team of 50 people are here. But let me ask you, Colonel Vach, about your men, you and your other men who were up on that pile working. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine the conditions. The footing is treacherous. Uh, there's rebar sticking up. Uh, there is rain pelting down on you. Uh, I mean, this this is very, very hard work. Um, talk, talk to us a little about what it is to do this work. Uh, it's not us, it's we. As all your uh, great commanders said, it's Scott Dean, it's Fernandez, it's uh, Chris. We are all in this uh, difficult situation. Uh, although I've been many operation this situation is, is not easy uh, but it's us it's not we uh, we are going through this difficult time together we talk every night we summarize May, sometimes we cry it, it's natural but we are tough guys this is our job and we will do it as best as we can 
Colonel, in the short time we have left together, um, you mentioned that your decision to stay based on the impending demolition, the seven people from your team that will be staying this week, what specifically will you be doing? What is the role of the Israeli team in the demolition? Uh, we are going to uh, to represent our our way of thinking right now after the the building is down how to reevaluate the situation according to the fact that uh, we, we could be able to reach all the people that we couldn't we couldn't uh, uh, reach them uh, at the last week because of the dangerous mm. um, um, and according to what happened before, uh, when we found some people to update the plan. So our current position will be, uh, I, I hope, uh, to, 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 um, to offer our thoughts, our lessons, our kind of thinking about how to reach each one of the missing people as fast as we can. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Bach, I just want to say on a personal note, I was speaking to one of my best friends who is Israeli, we were speaking, he's in Tel Aviv, and he was saying how proud he and Israel is that you have come here and, and done this work. So you are thanked both from your Israeli friends and from your American friends. Thank you so much. Colonel, thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back with an update on the Surfside Collapse. The collapse of the Champlain Towers South laid bare the need for more oversight into aging buildings in South Florida. That fresh oversight led to a sudden evacuation of a condominium in North Miami Beach late this week. A lot of questions about that for attorney Marielle Talinci, who represents the condo association at the now empty Crestview Towers. Marielle, good to be with you today. It's a pleasure being with you as well, Glenna. Can we, let's start with just an, a really obvious question. What we have learned in the days since uh, the evacu sudden evacuation, I might say, of some 300 people from Crestview. The report from the engineer showing, saying that this was a structurally unsafe and electrically unsafe building to live in came because of this audit post-collapse in Surfside. And all of a sudden, the city gets what is a six-month-old warning and evacuates and leaves the rest of us to say what the heck <laughs> yes um well, did you want me to apply us to the report or just give you my opinion on the sudden evacuation uh, i guess my question is this is just too familiar why is there an engineer's report saying the building is unsafe and for six months people had been living in it and would still had a surfside condominium building not collapsed um, well, uh, I'd like to first mention that a subsequent report, or sorry, a subsequent inspection um, was had of the building recently, and an unofficial report um, was released, released by that engineer saying that the building is actually uh, safe for occupancy and that the repairs on the structure and electrical can be done with the residents there. So the formal report should be released by uh, Tuesday morning or before that. Okay, let's, um, let's get a, 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 that's a, that's good to hear, but let's get a little technical. When, when was that written? When was that report? When was that made the one, The one that I just mentioned now? Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. That's not that's that's yet to be made public. It's going to be made public by Tuesday when, when it's in, when it's given to the city. When was it done? 
that was done on Saturday, so yesterday. So we still have a six-month time frame, and this is the key, whether or not the building is unsafe to live in, somebody says yes, mm -hmm. you're saying maybe not. I think the bigger question is there was a report from a structural engineer that said it was, and for six months, people lived there, and that's terrifying now. The, the report that was generated in January of 2021, um, as I mentioned previously, um, is a very vague report. I'm not sure if you have a copy of it, but it does mention cracks. Um, it mentions um, some electrical issues, but it, is, it doesn't go in depth. Um, that was a report that should have been submitted by the architect, since the architect was in communication with the city consistently asking for extensions. Um, the board was under the impression that this report was also going to be submitted by the architect. Um, the board has, for the past two years, up until last Thursday, been working on repairs um, endlessly and around the clock, um, not just structurally and electrical, but working together with the fire marshal to make sure that the, the building's up to code. Um, there are just certain things with respect to this building in particular. Uh, the building is a quite, it's quite old and it's a grandfathered building, which means that any repairs that are done have to be done with original parts. So, you know, given in, given COVID and um, the fact that the parts needed to be original, there have been some delays um, in getting certain things repaired. Yeah. Mario, uh, from what you have said, uh, do you think the city of North Miami Beach acted precipitously by saying, hey, everybody in this building, you've got to leave now and you know, 300 people trekked off into the night, some of them really without a place to go. Um, I believe that in the wake of Surfside, um, North Miami, the city of North Miami acted in what they felt was the best interest of the community and the residents um, in an abundance of caution. So um, other than, than that, I don't really have much of an opinion as to uh, their actions, but we can assure the residents in the community that the board of directors is on this. We have been on repairing the building. We're working on, diligently on repairing the building and getting the residents back into their home as soon as possible. So as the attorney representing these homeowners, you are, um, and I'm hoping you're still there because I think we lost your picture. Can you still hear us? We lost Marielle, uh, regretfully, because there are a lot of questions left. We're going to try to reconnect, and in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We have reestablished contact with Marielle uh, Talenci, who is the attorney for the Crestview Towers homeowners. Uh, Marielle, let me go back in the brief time we have left. You said that there is a new report that's, that tells the city of North Miami Beach that this is a habitable building that it can be lived in. When are you going to give the city that report and when will the uh, residents be able to get back in the building? Okay, um, that report should be uh, released. The architect is working on the report, so it should be provided to the city. We have until Tuesday uh, noon to provide that report. So I believe that by Monday it should be prepared. Um, that's out of my control, but that's as far as I know. And, and real quickly, you're the attorney mm -hmm. at, who is ably representing this association, but this mm -hmm. building seems to be an example of what can happen now that this audit of older buildings is going on. What does the public, what can the public expect when older buildings like this all of a sudden have these kind of things laid bare? What, what do you expect to happen? I'm sorry, your question got cut off a bit. Uh, you, you said that 
Do you mind repeating your question? Yeah, and, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you we have a minute left in this program. Okay. Um, are, are you concerned that these audits are going to uncover so many things like this that may leave people without homes even temporarily? Uh, they might. They might. Um, to my knowledge, uh, Crestview is not the first building to uh, not have met the 40-year recertification period. Um, so, yes, hopefully, though, the, the other buildings have taken Crestview as an example and are working towards their recertification or getting also their, their architectural uh, reports in place so that by the time the city audits them, yeah. the residents are not put out. Mariel Talinchi, so good of you to join us, and we do thank appreciate you. your time you. today. And we thank, thank you, for you so being, much. And we thank you for being with us. Of course, stay tuned 24 7 to local10.com for everything about the storm and about the impending demolition in Surfside. And remember, as always, stay informed, get involved, have a happy 4th of July.